So for anybody who feels like if they want to go out there and do their own side hustle or you know, start their own business or whatever, I did not know how. I'm not from America. I had to learn about taxes. I had to learn about credit. I had to learn about opening my own bank account. I had to learn about you know creating an LLC. So I did not know. So like if you think that you just your ignorance is an excuse, you have no excuse. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Grad School Sucks podcast, where we believe that your career after grad school should rock. I'm your host, Matt Carlson, and today I'm talking with Mr. Warren English. Warren immigrated to the United States a few years ago and joined the U.S. Reserves before starting as a master's student in bioinformatics at NYU. He quickly fell in love with research, but became disillusioned by other aspects of academia and decided to start a business around one of his passions. This episode will be especially interesting for folks who are interested in the process of immigrating to the U.S. to do graduate level work, anyone who wants to start their own business from scratch, and those who want insight on how to maximize their physical potential. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Thank you all for joining us today, and thank Mr. Warren English for coming on as a guest to discuss his life in grad school and what he's currently up to now. He's got a very cool side hustle we're going to talk about, as well as some other things. So, Mr. Warren English, thank you for joining me. I was wondering if we could start off, could you just give us the elevator pitch of who you are professionally? Okay, so uh, the elevator pitch for me um, is... Pretty much, I uh, professionally so went to undergrad. So I'm not from America, first and foremost. I moved here in 2020. I am an immigrant. Um, I did my undergrad in pharmacy. I actually studied that in South America. Um, but I'm originally from the Caribbean, small island, Antigua. So I moved from the Caribbean to South America to study. Then in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic and all the crazy things going on in the world, I moved to America. Um, so uh, I started my career in America working at a CVS because uh, for me as an immigrant with an undergrad in pharmacy, a foreign degree, in order for me to work as a pharmacist, I need to have my PharmD, I need to be licensed. So I had to make a little bit of a pivot, which I didn't mind because I, you know, in undergrad, I fell in love with research and science and all that good stuff. So I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, let's do grad school. Uh, but moving to America, America has a ridiculous cost associated with that. And I think... I think, I think we've had a conversation about that in DMs before. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I decided to uh, join the reserves. I saw that was one opportunity for me as an immigrant. So joined the reserves uh, in the U.S. Army. Um, it was a very challenging but very growth-oriented opportunity. Um, the military gave me like 30K for school. Um, I was able to get into NYU for a master's in bioinformatics. Um, and the story, with this, uh, there was a story between there, you know, the whole process of how that went and whatnot. We can get into that later. Um, and then I did my first semester, really loved it, got into a great lab. Uh, my professor was amazing, um, academically speaking. Um, and But, you know, I, I found out some things later on that kind of made me a little disillusioned <laughs> at the end of the semester. Uh, ended the semester, 4.0 GPA, worked my ass off. But then, uh, like I said, I got a little bit disillusioned at the end. And I, um, I uh, decided that it probably wasn't the, the path for me. So um, I took the opportunity to take military leave. I did a, a 
one month with my unit. Um, they were preparing for going to Kuwait. I wasn't going to go with them, but um, you know, I just decided to help out. Got a year of military leave off from grad school. Decided to go a little bit more all in with my fitness business, and um, I got into the world of that. And then you know, started exploring other options because my mind was always on healthcare, you know, academia, science. Um, and then when I started to look at other options, then I realized, oh my goodness. There's so many other things available to me with my skill set and what I can do and you know what I can learn and achieve in the world without having to like read all the academic articles and like oh so um, yeah that's my story. That's awesome, awesome dude. There's a lot there to unpack. So what what initially? Uh, uh, my undergrad. Uh, so um, the I, being in in, in pharmacy. Um, you know, it's healthcare, and when it comes to healthcare, you know, it's data driven with you know practice. So um, there's a lot of research that has to go into it. And coming from basically what what you know we would consider a third world country or third world countries, basically where I'm from, there isn't a lot of research you know um, within what we do when healthcare isn't the best. So as an individual who you know wanted to see the best in in my area at the time, I. Uh, decided that I wanted to go into research to kind of help develop things. And I think that's where a lot of people come from. You know, it comes from a place of altruism and seeing, you know, the real benefits of science and the grand scheme of humanity and all that. Um, so that's where it really came from. Um, and then also, you know, I, I'm personally a little bit of a bookworm. So uh, get, getting into all the exciting things about like genomics and AI and, and you know, the potential for that in the human future and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, maybe, maybe and, and being in pharmacy, you know, we talk about precision medicine and implications and blah, 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 blah. So that really drew me to it. Um, and when I got the opportunity, I got to get my green card and come to America. I was like, wow, this is actually going to be real because I had no idea how to do that if, it, if, it, if I didn't get my green card and got the opportunity to come to America. So, so it sounds like you have a real passion for health, um, health-related things. Yeah, that, absolutely. When, when did that you know, passion blossom? Was that something you've had for a long time? Um, yes, I would say. Um, so when I was young, I observed a lot of things within my culture and, and you know, my, my family. Um, so in the Caribbean, and this is only something I came across in my undergrad thesis, but, uh, you know, you just kind of like observe these things as you're growing up. Uh, it, it, in the Caribbean and, and in Guyana, Guyana is actually, I think it was like a 2013 study that kind of, that ranked Guyana as the number one, uh, uh, has the number one ranked um, uh, amount of deaths from uh, cardiovascular disease diseases. Yeah, so they're they're ranked number one in all of the Western world, not excluding like the Eastern world. Um, and I, I, I just personally live in there. I see it, you know, the way that their diets are, and you know, the way that things are marketed. Like the entire economy is probably pushed off of like sodas and like beer and alcohol and partying and stuff like that. And they eat a lot of very um, calorie dense, uh, flour filled, uh, sugar filled things. <laughs> so I notice a lot of that, and I notice a lot of it in my family as well. You know, my mother's 
um, obese and my dad suffers from hypertension and my grandparents suffered from diabetes and I mean, my, my grandpa and my, on my dad's side, he recently, had, well, I don't know, you know, correlation, causation, whatever, but he recently got diagnosed with cancer. So, you know, there's a lot of health, health conditions that are just going on and um, I, I just, I got scared. I want to stay clear of that. I, I remember um, one of my aunts, she, she actually got a stroke and like half her face is left drooping now man you know so like I've, I've been privy to all of the terrible consequences that comes from not taking care of your health not being cognizant of your, your diet and your nutrition exercise all of that so that really pushed me in the direction okay i don't want to do that <laughs> so um I, I tried my best to to learn as much as possible about um being healthy and, and, and you know, taking ownership of your health and trying to provide that value now to the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and it's, I think it's so funny how those early experiences with your family can guide, um, you know, some of those values and those questions. Uh, not to get into it too much, but uh, my, my family upbringing, we had some experiences with mental illness. And then I became a therapist, you know, a decade yeah. later. And... At the time, I just thought it was coincidence, but, you know, looking back, it's, it's funny how a lot of the foundational things can, can guide our thinking. Um, so, very cool. So, when you went into uh, grad school, sorry, you went to the reserves before grad school, right? Yeah, I, I was not about the whole student pet thing. I really wanted to avoid that as much as I could. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I saw that as an opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was just pretty cool. You know, they, they sell, they market the army really hard here, man. Like, they, they do a good job of that. <laughs> they got me. <laughs> yeah, don't regret it, but, uh, you know, they got me. Yeah. Yeah. So would you, uh, would you say your experience in the reserves was, like, a net positive uh, for sure. Um, I mean, as somebody who, I could say it's in that positive because I think even though I was born and raised in, say, in like a third world environment or whatever, I don't think I had it that bad. Um, I don't think I, I s suffered, you know, as much as, um, and, and I think it shows. I mean, I, I mean, I'm in good health. You know, I have an education. I have access to like books. I mean, I'm here talking to you from my thousand dollar laptop. Right? So I didn't have it that bad. Um, and going through the military um, and basic training and all that uh, just kind of <laughs> kind of showed showed you you know what it's like to just not have any of your freedom whatsoever and just being under you know complete control of authority. Um, and it sucks, but oh boy, you know, it really, it teaches you something about, um, to value, you know, what you have, uh, in terms of your freedom. And then also, um, a, a lot about hard work as well, cause they, they really push you, they, they put you through a lot, um, physically and mentally. Uh, so yeah, I got a lot of value from that, especially. Um, so when, when you were in the reserves, were you already thinking about grad school at that point? Yeah, when I was in the so I so the story between between grad school, me getting to America, joining reserves, and then actually getting into grad school is, um, and this is probably going to be a great a great tip for people who are actually looking into it, and I, I believe you talk about this at length as well. Like if you want to get into grad school, and you want to get into a good one, and I, I think you know NYU isn't that bad. Um, you, 
you need it's it's really helpful for you to have a mentor, right? Uh, I I I didn't I didn't know anything about applying to American schools. Like you know, there's like the GRE, and then you know, it's like personal statements and. Uh, you know all, all the things I, I, knew, I knew nothing about that right I was just like figuring out as I go at first and I got rejected a bunch of times and then when I came to America I realized like this all these mentorship programs and stuff like that and I applied to a bunch of them and then I found myself with a mentor from from one of them um, called there's a mentorship program called Kari Scholar so this one is like particularly for individuals who come from the Caribbean um, and uh, they pair you with someone else who is from the Caribbean, who you know is going to like a pretty good um, university. So my mentor is a PhD candidate at Rockefeller University. Um, he's doing neuroscience, and you know, given that we're we're kind of in the same bi biomedicine realm, uh, he helped me um, put together my application, kind of guided me through the process. Um, a, a large por portion of the mentorship was really helping me overcome my own limiting beliefs and fears, just being an outsider, because like, that was the biggest thing for me. And that's, I, that's been a big thing for me coming here. Like I've had a lot of limiting beliefs because I feel it's so insignificant not coming from here. And the mentorship helped me overcome that. Um, so that, yeah, so that's like, the biggest thing that happened in between there. So he helped me put together my application. I applied to NYU, applied to Cornell, I applied to um, what's it called? Uh, Hunter College. I applied to uh, 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 Albert Einstein. Um, that's Yeshiva University. Um, and I forget, but yeah, I think Mount Sinai, uh, Icon School of Medicine. Yeah, and I, I've gone into NYU, took that one, um, and then just kind of ran with it. Yeah. So when you were applying for grad school, did you have like a future career in mind at that point already? Yeah, I, I, I was, I mean, I, as much as I, I said I had a lot of limiting beliefs, I, I still kept lofty goals. So literally my goal was MD-PhD. I was like, I wanted to go all the way. Either MD-PhD or like, fine. <laughs> yeah, and um, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe it was too much of a lofty goal, but, you know, aim aim for the stars and hit them on, right? Yeah. That's awesome. So, and then uh, at NYU, you're going for your master's of bioinformatics. Could you, um, so I'm in the, the soft sciences, quote-unquote, yes, social sciences. Could you give uh, just a brief for people who may not be familiar, what is bio? So bioinformatics is a pretty broad spectrum, um, and, I, and I like to call it broad spectrum because at first when I thought about it, I was only thinking like genomics, you know. You go into the genome and then you, know, you, use, uh, you get all the data, so they do, they do the next level sequencing all the different types. There's many different types at this point. Um, they got some cool stuff coming out, I believe. Uh, Nanopore is like one of the latest ones um, that's getting really good. Uh, and um, it, yeah, so there's the, the genomics, which is like you're taking all that data from your genomes and then you're doing all the machine learning to you know get data and you know use that to extrapolate uh, or make inferences about you know some relationship between the genome and some phenotype, but you know all all of that. Um, then there's things yeah. like um, uh, you know computational neuroscience, which kind of still falls into the realm of bioinformatics to some extent. Um, so long story short, just taking a bunch of data from 
the, from you know human the human body or you know this the different aspects of it so there's your genotype um there's your uh your uh what's it called your genome then there's your uh your um, transcriptome there's your proteome there's you know all the different proteins in your bodies all the different enzymes in your body all, so all of that data you take it and um, you just make a bunch of statistical inferences from them using machine learning principles. So you use Python, you use R, all the coding packages and stuff like that. Um, and that's my my one semester of grad school <laughs> definition of it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, a specific research area? Yeah. So I I was in the yeah I was in the New York Genome Center. Um, I was felt really lucky. It's again it's a lot of, to be honest. Um, I was a little bit sad to leave as well because I thought it was just like such an amazing opportunity. My professor was a really cool guy. Um, but yeah, I was in the New York Genome Center. I was working on a project where we were looking at the epigenome. So we're taking, if you're familiar with like epigenetics and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, we were looking at uh, the epigenome and some, some uh, factors that are associated with a particular type of breast cancer cells cell type you know what what what, what parts of the epigenome play a role in in that that the, the 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 type that we were looking at does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah. um so so you said you did one semester of grad and then you took military leave is that right yep so I'm, I'm actually still currently in military leave that goes all the way until next year of January, but given my experiences since I've left, I, I don't think I'm going to go back. Oh, very cool. Well, let's get to that in, in uh, a second. What was your one semester in grad school like? Did it meet your expectations? Did it, did it fall short? If I'm being honest, um, it, it kind of fell short uh, because, again, I, I felt like I had a very lofty expectation of America coming here, you know, um, and I don't know if a lot of people, other people who are coming from like out of America and are like immigrants and have this whole idea, this kind of large, grandiose idea about coming here and doing all the things um, about it, but so my mind was anchored on a lot of books that I read, you know, and I, I like, when I was back in Guyana, I'd read about, um, you know, high level people, like I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Edward, Edward Wilson. Um, and you know, so he's like a really, I believe he's a professor in this. Oh, I think he died recently actually, but the guy is a brilliant person. He wrote a, a bunch of books in science. One of my favorites is Consilience, really great book for anybody who's in like uh, the natural science, biology, and all that. Talks about you know, the consilience is basically the idea of putting together um, what you learn from the hard sciences, so like physics, and how that goes into chemistry and biology, and up into the social sciences, and just making the connection between all of that human behavior and biology, um, which I thought was super fascinating. And then, you know, reading about other like high level scientists, so like I'm expecting when I get this is what my expectation, perhaps this is what I'm on. Like, you know, a lot of people who are entering into grad school you know, they've kind of like already gone into like all these things and all these books. And there's a, mi a minority of that. Um, and very few people that I met have actually done that. Um, and and then even though that minority, they aren't the ones that are like taking it to like, you know, going to PhDs and like doing postdocs. In my experience, some of them do, but like there's a lot of them, like 
the ones like going out there and reading the books and like just kind of doing things like that, they tend to go more so towards their own thing or building their own career, building their own path, if that makes sense. Like um, I've learned that there's a lot of startup type individuals within um, the biosciences and I think that the, the, the higher you go up the academic chain, and this is something in a reading of books too, it's like the more the more dogmatic you become and the, the, le- the more stuck in your ways you become and you're less you know, and you're less likely to go out there and do risky stuff like building a business or um, and, and there's a lot of people who do stuff like that. For example, one of the persons that I really look up to uh, in that space is uh, Eric Topol, if you're familiar with him. Okay, but yeah, he, he's done a lot. Like he built his own medical school. Um, he's written a lot on, on the you know the future of, of medicine as it relates to AI and, and genomics and um, the human uh, how to make healthcare a safe human again. But yeah, and, and there's nobody reading stuff like that in grad school. That's what that was my expectation. I thought I had a lot of conversations about stuff like that, um, but I really didn't. They, but you know, they do give you you know practical stuff as it relates to like you know doing research and things like that. But um, yeah, I didn't meet my expectations with respect to that. And perhaps that's my mistake. Um, uh, and uh, but. In terms of the information provided, in terms of like the lab research, it's all exciting. Um, yeah, the lab research, especially, I, I thought was pretty fun. Um, I wish I got more time to do that. Honestly, in my opinion, I wish I spent more less time in class and more time doing the actual research. For me, I think I, lo- I learned I learned a lot more um, doing doing the actual things rather than reading the books about the things or like just say sitting through a lecture or something like that. And yeah, I just kind of had enough of it <laughs> by the end of the semester, even though I did well. Um, yeah. Was and, there uh, a certain point when you knew that you wanted to move on to something else? Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be different for everybody, but for me, it was, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, I, 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 there's a point in the semester where I didn't find myself being very happy. Um, and I think it, there's a lot of things that, that, that has caused that. So for me, like when I came to America initially, I was, I was more than happy. Like, you know, I was working at CVS as a pharmacy assistant, minimum wage, you know, like I, I was ecstatic. And the reason, and there's a reason for that. Um, so if I was still in Guyana, I would have had to wait it or wait around like five to 10 months in, in order to start my internship, to, to start getting my license to be a pharmacist there. And then when I start my internship, I'd be working for, let's say, around 200 to 250 USD a month, right? And then after that, I think I don't even, I barely make, I don't know, what, what, what's, what do they make there? Maybe like a thousand US a month? I was making that in like, you know, like two weeks working at CVS, right? So, <laughs> um, of course, but the cost of living here is a lot higher. So, like, you know, I was I was getting anchored by my previous experience, but then as I started to learn more about America and try to and understand where their standard is at, I realized um, that, uh, you know, grad school was really going to push me to the, because I started to raise my own bar based on, on what I witnessed here. So, like, I felt like, you know, with all the reading that I was doing, I was at a pretty high level where I'm from, but now that I've read all these things, now that I have the experiences to go along with what I've read, I feel I, I wanted to take it a little bit higher than that. So right now I'm like, for me, I, I'm on a path of kind of pursuing uh, the highest level of achievement that I want, 
And I came to a point at the end of grad school where I realized that it probably wasn't, probably, probably wasn't going to push me in that direction. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, so the first reason was <laughs> at the end of the year, we had the end of lab meeting, and uh, I really took the opportunity to get to know my professor, um, which and I think a lot of people should really do, you know, because uh, they're people. You know, I think uh, a lot of people get really anxious and nervous around the PI walking around the lab. I, I would notice that, like, whenever we're in the lab and, you know, uh, my the PI would walk in and, you know, just kind of, like, casually make conversation, everybody just kind of goes quiet. And they're just looking at their test tubes and their, <laughs> and their pets and just... Um, <laughs> and I, I, I walk around and I, I would often talk to my postdoc that was kind of, like... Um, mentoring me and like you know it's, it's so weird whenever he walks around it's so quiet <laughs> but I, I took the opportunity to get to know him and, and you know he's just like a normal person which and, um so i heard his story and then his story was a little bit of a disillusionment for me um where this guy i just thought he was so brilliant you know such a hard worker um but you know he wasn't tenured which is like a weird thing for me given how much work he does and how prolific he was in, in his research and high, high quality i thought it wasn't so when he wasn't tenured i mean i'm sure he's on his way but um that that was like a really weird thing for me i, I i'm learning about how that stuff works and then um he took like he went to mit for his phd and he did it in like uh did his PhD in, uh, I think, think it's a computational neuroscience. And um, he had the opportunity to be under a really amazing um, professor. I think he got some award. In, and apparently this award in like the biosciences is like really high level. I, I can't remember what the name of it is, but you get a bunch of money, you know, and you get to, to do as much research as you want with that money. And basically in his estimation, when people get that award, you know, their career is over. Like they, they've hit the highest pinnacle and a lot of them just get lazy and he took 10 years to finish his phd um and you know normally the average is i, I think a brilliant guy mind you again brilliant guy 10 years to finish his phd and i think he did another i don't know four or five years in his postdoc and then and now he's a professor um and things are like really only taking up taking uh up for him now and as as inspiring as he is as he is right now i the timeline just didn't seem reasonable for me um and what i felt like i i was capable of the value that maybe i wanted to see myself provide to the world um so <laughs> i have to kind of like take a step back and do an assessment of what am i where am i going what am i doing um like it's does this feel right for me and um the the, the framework that I, I use for that and and you know i think it works out for me because I, I i opened myself up to listening reading and learning about a, a lot of different things not science anymore before like 20 2020 2021 you find me reading all the books about science and like you know all the people in, in that realm now i'm a little bit more open to um, self-development and like even business and, and, and you know a lot of other different characters and taking all of their insights from life and how they navigated the world and just kind of using it for myself so like one of the things I find as a common ground for a lot of people who have gotten to themselves to a, a point in life where they're content in all areas right in all areas they kind of use and it's so simple 
but it has so much ethics for me personally. I think so much truth to it is the monstrous hierarchy of needs. It's so simple, but so much truth to it, right? So, um, for me, I realized at that point, uh, it's the the thing that I needed most for me was uh, it, the security, right? And that's only anchored based on here in America, right? Because back in back home, I'm balling. I'm balling, right? But here, you know, my mind is anchored to the, the, the level of, of discrepancy in income and income and wage and all that here, right? And and there's a social thing that happens with that. And that's the way that humans are. It's like, you know, there's a book that I read um by Robert Sapolsky, which is like a, a I believe he's a ethologist, neurobiologist over at Stanford. Guy's pretty popular. One of my favorite books ever. Recommend it to anybody who is interested in you know human behavior and all that. Um, lots of great insights. Uh, and he, one of the studies that he, he cited was about um, the feeling of being poor. It has nothing to do with the number, and it has everything to do with your surroundings. So like if then I'm I'm living in New York where we can see that um, you know the the wage gap is very very big, right? So the the, the lowest earners are the people the, the amount of low low income people um, compared to the difference of um, income to the highest level earners, right? It's huge, it's huge, and, and it's just something that happens, you know, as a as a human being. And the, as much as you want to try to not have that influence you. It's just part of being human, you know. So, um, <laughs> I've kind of gotten into it, and 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 as of right now, um, I've taken it upon myself to kind of fix that discrepancy for myself. And um, I'll tell you, I'm a lot more consented with it. Um, and and um, now that I've kind of gotten myself on the path to to solving that issue, um, I'm having a lot more time and freedom for. I wouldn't say it's completely solved yet because I'm still on the up and up, but um, I'm moving a little bit more towards that thing of fulfillment for me, right? Because before it wasn't so much about fulfillment. Like what my mind was just focused on is like, oh my gosh, I want to make more money. But now it's like, okay, I have made some money. still want to make more money, but uh, and, and provide value, right? Because I don't think it's just about making money. I think, that, you know, the value of money, the way that you get your money is from providing value to others, right? So, um, yeah, so, um, yes, I want to make more money. I want to feel valuable by providing valuable value. Um, but then also, you know, in order for you to level that up, which is something I also think is amazing about America, is that in order for you to increase your status, part of it is making money, and part of making money is by providing value. So the more value you provide to people, you know, the more income you make, the more status you have, right? And uh, when it comes to increasing your status and increasing your income, a lot of it has to do with improving yourself. So you are the bottleneck. So it's either it, for, for you to get whatever you want, whatever your achievement, you know, target is, if you are not there, it's probably three things that I'm missing. So one is that you have a limiting belief. It's something about your belief, right? So you don't believe that you could do it in some way. You believe that you can't develop the skill, which and everybody can. All you need is like focus, attention, and time, right? The second thing is the character traits. So if you don't have character traits of discipline or if you, you know, hard work or um, just being 
studious or reading or being open to learning things. And then the third thing I believe is time. Um, and I think everybody has the time. Um, it's just that you, you've got to be really intentional with what you do. Um, and once, once you're able to upgrade those three things or be, become aware of like where you're putting those three things, then, you know, I'm learning again, this is all from me reading and learning a lot of things about America. Money will come to you because you're providing more value because you become a valuable person. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when in all of this, did you get the inspiration to start, uh, do you call it we fit? Is that your, yeah, your yeah that, that's, that's what it is right now. Um, this most likely going to evolve because, um, I, I think, well, so when I'm again, before I even started that, like, I don't know how to run a business in America. That's the first thing I want to say. Right? So for anybody who feels like if they want to go out there and do their own side hustle or, and start doing business or whatever. I did not know how. I'm not from America. I had to learn about taxes. I had to learn about credit. I had to learn about opening my own bank account. I had to learn about you know creating an LLC. So I did not know. So like if you think that you just your ignorance is an excuse, you have no excuse. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing um, is again going back to like the same way I was able to successfully get myself into a grad school. Um, and then have some amount of success in grad school. It's the same way that I did for starting my business and kind of getting myself, you know, in a running speed, or at least I want to say climbing speed. I don't think I hit my running speed yet. I'm still going on the up and up. <laughs> All right, but um, I look for a mentor. I there's a bunch of business mentorships, and a lot of people might call them scams and whatnot. Some of them maybe are, but there's some people who are genuinely providing value and giving you everything that you need. So. Um, one thing that I did for me when looking for a mentor is like I have my own personal value base, right? So I like, I look for people who have integrity. I look for people who uh, are, are very dedicated to re the, the, the success of the people that they work with, right? Because they're definitely people who are just, you know, they, they might say they want to help you in the best way, but um, it's more so about profit than anything else. For me, I worked with a, a company called the Next Level Coaching Academy to start me off, um, and they, they helped out a lot. Um, they gave me all the tools that I needed to get started um, and gave me, and there's, there's, there's levels to it. So they help you get started and then once they help you get started, if you want to go bigger and get on scale, um, you can also make a further investment to get that going. But um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way I got that started for myself. And there might be some pivots and changes in terms of like the way I branded it and, you know, the name and, you know, eventually thinking about hiring people and, you know, how I'm going to do my acquisition methods and stuff. I'm still like tinkering with a bunch of stuff. As much as they give you the underlying framework, there's a lot of work and stuff that you have to figure out to, and on your own because like, yeah, that's, I think that's just generally just how business works. Um, so yeah. Just like say, give me money and <laughs> no, no, yeah. it doesn't work like that. Such yeah. a science and art. Dude. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I think that's a fun part about it. Um, and you know, one of this, there's a book that I read, and I think yeah, there's so this there's a parallel with academia and business because I think people see it so much at odds, right? Um, but there's one of the, I think, I, the book that I read that I really like is called. Um, Scientific Genius, The Psychology of Science, 
written by this professor from one of the University of California. I can't remember. I think it's UC uh, Davis or something like that. Um, and I uh, can't remember the name of the professor, at, but I know he's like Professor Emeritus there. And he, the way he talk about like people who have made a lot of the groundbreaking research in science, um, and he uses a lot of research on, on, on the topic, like citations, citations everywhere. Um, so, and, so it's a good quality book. But what it basically boiled down to is a couple of simple things. He talked about just showing up, doing the work, serendipity. You know, the more work you do, the luckier you get. And that's how a lot of breakthroughs in science come. Of course, like you have to do a lot of quality work. Like you can't just like do rubbish all the time and expect to get lucky. But you, you need to do a lot of quality reps. And the more quality reps you do, the more um, groundbreaking research you're going to get out. And, and it's the same thing with business. You know, like you, you put in the reps, you show up, you do your best effort all the time, and then you get it. But the thing is, with science and with business, clearly with business, there's a, a, a clear metric of your success and that feels valuable to you because you get money, you get money for it, right? Um, so there's a lot of drive and impetus for you to go ahead and do it more. But I think in academia, the, the impetus to kind of do more research and, you know, all that is, you know, yeah, you get published in like Nature or whatever, or whatever high quality journal and whatnot, but then... You know, I, I think there's still a lot of drawback for a lot of people, which, which doesn't make it as attractive, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It totally does. So, uh, when, um, when, when did you start posting content? Because I, I followed you, did I, I followed you before you started the WeFit thing, right? Yeah, so yeah, you followed me before. Um, because you were posting all, this is when my mind was like still in grad school. So I followed, you followed me before and then, um, I, I, I loved your memes. Your memes are just funny. I really love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you followed me before. I actually was starting to kind of like post content at that time. Um, but because that's when I just moved to America and I kind of saw the opportunity, but at the same time. I just wasn't too sure, and honestly, like I had too many fears at that time. So I didn't, I didn't have the knowledge. Too many fears. I, I wasn't. It definitely wasn't gonna work out for me. I didn't have enough of the push because my mind was just splitting too many places. Just moved to America. What's my next step? Should I do? You know, should I do grad school? Like, what other opportunities are there? Like, if I should I can I still do pharmacy? Is there a way for me to still get my license and work here as a pharmacist? Like all these things running through my mind, just taken away from. You know, like if your your energy is split everywhere, your energy is moving, right? So, um, yeah, I was just split too many places, and then eventually I just had to toss it out the window and just focus on the grad school thing, and then the military thing, and then that's why I just focused on for the next year. But then, of course, you know, um, now I'm I'm completely in the other direction. So, um, yeah, trial and error, figuring things out as I go. That's that's how it is. Yeah, absolutely. And and you, so I. I wanted to ask, do you make your own reels? Do you do all the work to do your reels? All my reels, all my Twitter posts, all of the content that I have, yes, I, I did all the work. And, um, I mean, if, if you're asking that because you think they're they're good or they're okay right now, like, that's, that's <laughs> that gives me a lot of confidence. I'll tell you what, I, 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 think, I think they suck, <laughs> right? And, uh, I, and they sucked even more before that. So, um, if if anybody's out there who is, you know, creating content, 
and they uh, are you know a little bit worried about the quality of it and they think it sucks post it anyway uh, I, I went to a conference um, for a fitness business conference from uh, and, and one of the top content creators in the fitness space Jordan Syop I'm not sure if you're familiar with him he over a million you know followers on Instagram has a really he trained um, uh, Gary V, who was Gary V's personal trainer back in the day. If you're familiar with Gary V, um, so yeah, super successful guy. And his greatest tip for you know getting yourself out there and, and getting better at content is posting more. So reps again, reps. That's all it takes. Reps, more reps. Yeah, it's so true, dude. You've got and your reels, and I talked specifically about the reels because there what ends up popping up on my feed more and you get regularly thousands of views and like 5,000, 6,000, 4,000, 5,000, 5,000, um, another 4,500. When, when did you start? Uh, of course, like half the audience is probably tuning out like, Oh, hearing about making reels. But if you do want to make your own business, um, making content is such a, great way to do it in my opinion and that's where the marketing starts man free i mean you had to have a phone but um you know it doesn't cost anything to, to post this uh so when sorry when did you start thinking about doing reels and, and starting to make that kind of content um honestly it, uh, it was more so when i started the fitness business coaching program that i got into um, because I, I still had a lot of fears going into it um, because I'm not used to putting my face on camera and you know, kind of like putting myself out there, uh, trying to be, you know, I'll call it influencer type, but not really because really what I'm trying to do is provide some amount of value. Um, so it's not so much influencing, but more so, you know, like uh, I'm giving you value so that you um kind of build some trust in you because that's, that's what it is. It's like value-based marketing. I think that's what they call it. So I show you some value. I tell you about, you know, how to set up your diet or how to exercise well or, you know, something about mindset, something that inspires you. You get some value from that. And you have a positive association with me. That's, that's the biggest thing. You're learning about sales and marketing. It's all about relationships, right? So the more goodwill that you have, the more positive association someone has with you, the more they trust you. And when it comes to sales and marketing, um, it's like no like trust, right? So do they know you? Are you posting content consistent, consistently? Do they trust you? Or is your content actually value? Um, uh, and, um, and do they actually like you? So like, do you have this type of character that they feel that they could work with? Do you share the same values that they share? Um, and once you know, you're know hitting those three things, then um, eventually, right, because it takes time, eventually people are going to start making those requests and, and um, starting to work with you. Yeah. These are wise, wise words for, for anyone who wants to start a, an online business. Um, so, oh, I, I did first want to ask before I put to something else. Uh, do you remember making your first reel or first My, piece of content that was like you know, sharing something or uh, challenging yourself? Yeah, um, my first reel. So <laughs> it's hard to say my first piece of content because I, I, I when I started posting on social media, I was just 
I was more of an athlete, you know, and just kind of like sharing my journey, not really with any type of intention for selling anything, you know, just felt like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing. I think it's cool. Look at me. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think the first time that I did it with intention and let's say reels, because I think reels is a huge intentional move on, on social media. Um, the first reel that I made, I it was probably earlier this year, maybe around January or December last year. And I just broke it in. I, I broke it in with something simple, something that wasn't too hard for me, just a video of me lifting. You know, and then I put like a couple of captions about, you know, make sure you do good form, blah, blah, blah. This is getting, you know, so you're still providing some value, but it was a low barrier to entry, like the, the least uncomfortable thing possible <laughs> but then i started to do more with you know like actually doing videos with me talking and stuff like that which was very uncomfortable and every time i post in a while i was like oh man i want to delete this um but you, you gotta you gotta push through those because I, like i said it's about reps you know and the more uncomfortable things that you probably put yourself through the better um because you're gonna like if, if you want to grow and base I'm, I'm just saying what i've learned from other people and what i've kind of experienced because i'm still a baby still baby in the realm um but yeah uh, if you want to grow you're gonna have to like really adopt a lot of uncomfortable situations so like this is a low barrier to entry type of thing you know yeah yeah absolutely i, re I remember when um i started making memes i don't know two or three years ago and uh i remember it getting traffic and that being like interesting to me it was also perfect timing because the pandemic had started and everyone's on their phones you, you so got it at every, a good time, man. Oh, it was a great time. I kicked myself because I made my account private back then. Yeah, I, I was, saw that. I was still, uh, I was still working as a research scientist, and uh, I don't know. I I grew up reading books like 1984, and so I'm always a little not like paranoid, but just like aware of how authorities might perceive me. So anyway. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I remember having my account private and getting so much interaction. And I wish I would have had it public because my account would have grown way more. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the pandemic was a great time. And I remember getting to that place as a content creator, I suppose, uh, where I started to share more of like myself and my own experience just in like the captions of my memes. And even mm -hmm. that, I was like, ooh, this is like, you know, doing push-ups with your heart or something. Like, it's <laughs> like, uh, you know, it, it's like a... It's like an emotional workout to like share things. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Especially when you know like one percent of people online are just gonna hate you and what you share just because they're you know having a bad day. Or... Yeah, you said you said the, the most important thing one percent. Yeah, and that and that's and that's the one that really gets you right. You you all you our our minds are programmed to notice all of the negative things. So that one person out of one hundred that says one bad thing is going to stick out and we're going to be like oh man i should never say that again because you know this one little person said this terrible thing and i don't i don't want to i don't want to hurt anybody yeah but yes it's one out of 100 man so uh, yeah we shouldn't allow those things i've gotten that too and at this point you know just okay <laughs> got each other 99 people like it man so you know that's a you problem yeah exactly yeah, and that that was for me. That was such a growing experience because I, I guess I come from a background of having been a therapist, and I always, uh, even as a kid, I was always interested in people liking me. And so to hear, and you know, the one the one percent, they're a loud one percent. 
um, mm -hmm. they want to be perceived as like 50 percent mm -hmm. of uh, the folks out there but yeah i remember the first time i got a naysayer and i'm sure you've gotten naysayers and some of your stuff uh i don't know i felt like i had to win them over or prove them wrong or you know show off to my audience that i could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them god i wasted so much energy and <laughs> comment replies and and it never changed anything right like yeah if the person's holding their own problem and trying to dump it on you you know you, you can't you can't change that in a person's in life you know by going toe-to-toe -to -toe in the comment section it took me a long time to figure that out um have you had any funny like back and forth or people saying things on any of your content so um before i really started to put a lot of my <laughs> so I, this is a problem that i'm still working through for myself um because i i'm still very much more of a consumer than i think i am a producer right um because they, it's like comfort for me so like i always want to know as much about something before i even do it yeah. Uh, and it's something I'm still working through because I know action, action is more, uh, it will give you more results than, than kind of like taking a step back and getting information and planning and stuff like that. So um, I kind of built up a little bit of a resistance to that early on. So like whenever it comes now, like I, I just like, like it and then move on and find <laughs> So it's never really bugged me. Um, I see it sometimes and then you know, perhaps there's a little instance where I'm like, Hmm. Maybe I should respond, especially on Twitter. Twitter is a crazy. Twitter is like, I don't know about it's, it for me. Like you know, on Twitter because my Twitter is kind of like blowing up now. Um, uh, it's 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 a lot crazier. It's a, you know, a lot of people kind of get offended based some you know some some of the things that you might say. Oh, you know, uh, you know, my client lost twenty pounds and you know he's he's so happy and healthy. You know, he's getting compliments. He's going on more dates. So what about the people who don't want to lose 25? You're, you're fat shaming. I'm like, oh man, oh geez. <laughs> you know, so you just kind of like, um, uh, you just have to see it and not see it, man. Um, yeah, I just don't, just, yeah, just kind of leave it alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you, you really um, come toe to toe with that. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, there is like a, a huge. I don't know, I guess tension about weight loss right now and yeah. physical image. Uh, what What is your Twitter handle, by the way? Um, it is at Warren English underscore. Simple. <laughs> Warren English underscore. Mm -hmm. And then your Instagram is we.fit, W-E-D-H-I-T, Yeah, that's, that's correct. Um, might, might change that at some point because um, I might do some new branding because personal brands sell more than, than business brands. So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so let's, let's go deep dive deeper into your, um, your business. What, when you first started, what were you thinking about in terms of like what you were going to sell? Like what kind of service? You so it, it, I, I, I wanted to focus on what I knew, what I had trench knowledge in. So um, I, I've worked in person, personal training. Um, I've done you know a lot of fat loss and muscle building 
in my own experience as a bodybuilder and you know I've played a lot of sports in high school but I, I didn't want to focus on that. I have a lot of experience and knowledge in building muscle and losing fat. So that's where my focus is on for everybody. Um, and if it was like two years ago, I maybe would have wanted to focus more on the bodybuilding aspect of it. But um, Dr. Lawson, one, that market is very small, right? So the opportunity the opportunity is very small because of the market, you know. Um, but America is, is, is a place where, you know, I think in 2020, the, the statistic was 40, 41 or 42% of Americans are obese, right? So there's a huge market for weight loss, especially when it comes to fat loss, right? And, and that is a genuine value that I would be providing to the market. So um, I, I wanted to make that a, a huge focus of it. And then another, another thing is, you know, um, there's also, you know, the muscle building aspect of it. Which I need to do. That's just for people who want to, particularly men and some women, but more so men, um, who want to also, who are probably very small, skinny, you know, and wanting to increase their confidence um, and stuff like that. And I think I can also speak to that as well because I was, I was once that skinny guy that that you know lacked a lot of confidence. You know, in high school. Um, my first couple of years before I started getting into sports, I was literally called, called Urkel on campus. You know, I was like, yeah, Steve Urkel. So I, I wore, I wore like the glasses and I was skinny and had a high pitched voice before puberty hit and all that. So I, I resonate with those things. So like, um, that, that's really where I'm targeting. And I think, um, the people that have helped us find, you know, it's been a great experience working with them. Um, and, you know, I feel like I, I want to build that up to work with more people within that realm and, you know, just help them improve their lives, improve their confidence, improve their health, generally speaking. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. What was it like getting your first client? Uh, so I'll speak to it when I officially started my, my, my business here. Because, I mean, I could say that I've had clients from, like, you know, back, back then, but when I when I signed the LLC, when I started doing the things that my business coach taught me, and I got my first ever client, that was one such a because it's a, business. It has a lot to do with breaking beliefs, man. Like I I did not think that I would be able to come to America as an outsider, barely know anything about this country, and then two years and decide I want to start a business and then actually have somebody actually take interest and get value from what I'm doing. So like that was, that, that's like the big thing for me. It's a huge belief breaker, but then also like very nerve wracking because like now you have to deliver, right? Cause like it's, it's on you, it's your thing, right? It's all of your responsibility. So um, yeah, I, I, I just tried my best, man. I just kind of like did my best to over deliver and, um, dude is now, you know, like 20 pounds deep. Um, he, 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 he's been traveling all over the world. Um, he, he's traveled to like three continents, you know, um, seven different countries and states. And, you know, he went to a wedding. I think he went to two weddings and then he went to his aunt's graduation, all type of stuff. Like, you know, and he's still been able to lose the weight. Um, and because uh, it's like an individualized method, we have meetings, you know, kind of strategize for him and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's been such a rewarding journey, man, for, for my first client. And uh, it's been great for the others as well. Yeah. And so do you do all of this remotely? Mm-hmm. 100% remote. Um, so uh, they do everything they get. Uh, so I deliver my programs through an app. 
but you also have tech support with me. So, um, you know, if you want to check on your form, you take a video of yourself working on the gym, you send it to me, I'll give you feedback. Um, I have feed exercise videos within the app embedded in the app. So I'll be talking about how you do the form well. Um, and then if they have any questions on that, then they, you know, send me the video or ask questions. I have a client community where everybody's in the WhatsApp group and they're kind of like sharing wins and they're talking about their journey because you're in a, in a group of like-minded people and that helps a lot. You know, you have a lot of that social support and stuff. Um, and yeah, we have weekly meetups. Um, where we hop on Zoom, we talk about, you know, basically kind of do like a SWOT analysis. So what were your strengths for this last week? What were your weaknesses? What are the opportunities for us to get better? And what are the threats? What are the upcoming challenges for the next week? And uh, we just strategize around those things and then, you know, move up, move forward from there. Yeah, that's awesome. And that, that community aspect, I didn't realize you had that. That's, to me, that's so important. Um, I, uh, I let me go back. So my kid is four, about four and a half now. Right around the time when he, uh, when my wife was pregnant with him, I started CrossFit. And I know CrossFit is like kind of polarizing, um, but I had always been. I did uh, sports in high school. I did you know random other things in college, and I was always somewhat active. Never really like ripped or like super strong or anything mm -hmm. and um and i did crossfit and oh my lord well one it kicked my ass because <laughs> i'd never pushed myself that hard and two it's a community right so you would if you go to the same time class you see the same people and the uh the gym that i went to they had a really good atmosphere and I, you know i was last finishing all the exercises for like two months i mean it was a long period of time before i really came kind of in the middle of the pack mm -hmm. and uh, they would like rally around you as you were finishing and like cheer you on and um, I worked so much harder with having a community than I did by myself and uh, it's just so funny that like you know we think about changes whether it's like intellectual changes in grad school fitness changes as these like individual journeys that we're on you know we we get the thing we do the thing we get the result but but the I feel like the underlying, and maybe it's I feel like the underlying <laughs> of it is the community you're in because they're basically socializing you to to change part of who you are, mm -hmm. and um, and it becomes so much more embedded when it's within the framework of a community. Mm -hmm. um, that makes so much sense to me. Uh, yep, it helps a lot, man. Yeah. And and from a from a business perspective, um, also whenever you have a community aspect of it, you know, they, they, the top entrepreneurs that I listen to, they would say that people come for the, for the result. They come for the result, but they stay for the community. You know, you built that relationship and uh, they just don't want to leave because, you know, that's where their friends are at. You know, they want to know, they want to know how, how, how Karen is, is doing next week. Did she lose that 10 pounds? You know, did she get to do that, that 225 squat that she was aiming for? <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, community you know, brings people together, man. And they, they keep you staying, sticking around in the gym, you know, in your, in your program, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, so let's say there's some grad students out there who are listening and they're thinking, Oh, you know, I do, I've thought about starting my own business. I want to start my own business. Um, I've got an idea for it, 
but I don't know like what to do. Mm-hmm. What would you suggest they do today or this week? Or this week? So one, I would tell them, make, write it down. One, kind of get clear on what is the direction that you want to go. And that's going to change. Just know that that's probably going to change. The second thing I would say is find a mentor. Look for someone who has probably had the same idea, right? And if they've had the same idea, what did they do to actually skip, uh, build it up and, and accomplish it? And I'm, I'm what, I mean, you know, the way the world works is like a free market, like YouTube, you know, social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. People are posting about everything all the time. Like there's so much insight that you can get. Um, and then once you've done that, um, do they offer like a mentorship? Reach out, like reach out to people, do that. Um, and a lot of people, they would just be so humbled that you, you've reached out and you find value in what they're providing and then they would actually give you the help and support that you need. And if it's either you do it paid or unpaid, either way, you know, you're still getting what you want. And then um, after that, you know, it's just the entrepreneurial journey was just there and like just figuring things out and just kind of like looking for where your deficits are and what you need and whether it's, you know, I need to find more people who are interested in what I want. So lead generation and then, you know, how do I convince these people that I can provide them value so they can buy my product or service. So, and then, you know, so it's the lead gen, it's the sales, there's the delivering the value so that, you know, they actually get the result that you, you offer to them. And then, you know, kind of scaling up from there. So um, that is that is my recommendation to you this week. Go ahead, write it down. Find the people who know what you want to do and ask them questions. Get the mentorship and just take it from there. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask. So you're doing the, the... side hustle or the business mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. you're taking a leave from grad school mm-hmm. and what so are your this is, views for the next like year or so? um so i'll see my my, my business is going to be my only source of income um so this is another thing about grad school that you know kind of again i've just become a little disillusioned with again i was like ton of vision you know um but i I also opened myself up to new career opportunities and um, I just applied to like a bunch of things um, because, you know, d- doing this whole this thing, you know, in fitness, you learn, you, you meet a lot of people, you learn about different backgrounds and different stories. And I feel like a lot of grad students, like they're so tunnel vision and it's surrounded all by academics and stuff like that. They have no idea what's going on on the outside world. So because I've kind of like taken myself out of that and have the opportunity to communicate and talk to people. I was able to find opportunities and do some things and I'm actually, so I'm actually going to be um, doing a role and it's a remote role. So, you know, I still have time to work on my business while I do it uh, as a management consultant for like a, a tech company that works, serves the biopharma industry. Um, and, you know, that's given me a lot of freedom. I'm actually in New York City right now. I'm going to be moving to uh, Dallas, Texas this this uh the 28th of this month so not even too long um because again just because i've been opened up to a lot of you know other things and possibilities and opportunities i have this freedom now so um yeah i mean (laughs) yeah that's that's what it is for me so um i'm gonna see how how you know that opportunity goes the career goes with that seems like a great great gig um but i definitely do for my personal self want 
eventually for my my own business to take over completely, right? And um, have that just be be my main source of income and just kind of grow that as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So if you could say anything to uh, you know pre grad school one or maybe even pre military one, what would you say to him about his professional? I that's a hard one because like you know I think the, the pain and the strife and you know the figuring out it's all valuable experiences um, and I don't think I would probably tell him anything and I think I'd, I'd you know it sounds harsh you know some people might think you know to kind of like allow yourself to go through all that pain and struggle and, and shock and you know just struggle but it's valuable. It's really valuable. So, I, if I, I genuinely, if I, if I can tell him anything, um, I would, uh, I wouldn't tell him anything so that he feels the pain. But if I could tell him something, it would be maybe to pick a better struggle. Maybe that, that's probably what I would say. I would still want him to struggle. I would still want him to have to like go through the limit, breaking the beliefs and and you know, kind of building up that mental strength and you know, um, developing the character, right? Because all of those are very valuable things, but do it in a higher, a higher reward opportunity, I want to say, um, at least for me, me and my own particular circumstances. Uh, I don't think my story goes for everybody, but just for me, who I am, my background and stuff, I needed the highest return on investment opportunity out there. And I don't think that grad school was that for me. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, that the part you said about struggle really resonates with me because a lot of folks have been asking me recently. You know, I was a therapist for a while. I was in grad school for forever, and I had that academic job for almost two years. And a lot of folks are ask, have been asking me, mainly in my personal life, like. If you could go back, would you still do grad school again? Would you still have done therapy again? Because now, like my professional life, I could have, where I'm at now professionally, I could have just done like out of undergrad. Like I could have gotten a bachelor's degree and whatever and be doing what I do now. And I think what I've come to is kind of like what you said. Like I wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't go through this. And so... You know, there's there's a, a lot of value in the struggle that's not going to be shown in that, like, you know, diploma you get or, like, the specific mm-hmm. job you have. Like, it's those collections of skills and experience that really refines you over time. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, like, you know, there were difficult things that happened when I was a therapist and a grad student that I wouldn't necessarily, like, want to repeat or maybe they didn't need to happen. But, you know, overall... Um, I don't, I don't know if I would be, like, as good of a person if I didn't do those things. And I don't know what the alternative is, of course. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, anyway, that, that just made me think about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you, man. So let me – so we're, we're getting close to time. I wanted to dive a little bit more into your business. Can you tell me, like, what is, like, your, your core offering or your main package? Um or like your, the standard service you provide? Um, so the standard service is 
Um, so uh, have to remain offerings, right? So it, and it's all time based, right? So either you can sign up for what I have is my fitness fundamentals. So that's my my lowest offer. Um, so basically, if you are completely new to the gym, uh, you want to learn the basics of exercise. You want to learn the basics of nutrition. You want to just kind of get yourself into building better long term habits. Like that's for you. If you want to see significant body changes, like you want to drop some body fat or you want to build some muscle, I have my results program, which is uh, the higher level offer. That's going to be around six months, right? And then for the complete transformation program, which is a 12-month program, where you still you would still go through the process of learning the fundamentals. You still get your results. But then after you've gotten your results, right? Because there's a life after your diet. There's a life after building muscle, right? You have to learn how to maintain that because what you do to get there is a completely different thing from maintaining. For me, it took it took a lot of time and effort and a lot of volume and a lot of grit in order to build the muscle that I have right now. For me to maintain it, all I do three times a week, thirty minute workouts. That's it. It's a completely different thing. So um, a lot of people think like you know you kind of just get the routine and you do that for life. That's not how it works, right? That's not sustainable. Um, there are periods or blocks. So uh, for the transformation program. You learn the fundamentals, you get the results you want, then I teach you to maintain them. And then at that point, once you're satisfied, you go out there in life and you know you be the best that you could be. Um, I do have another offer where if you just still want a little bit of accountability after that, um, you can still be a part of the program, but you're not gonna have as many check-ins, but you still get to be a part of the community um, and you still get to like keep yourself accountable, if that makes sense. Who would you say are the, the like, prototypes or profiles of clients you've had who've gotten the most out of the programs that you offer? So the, the people who have gotten the most of it, definitely people who, again, um, are a bit new to the world of, of, of fitness and, and do work with experienced people as well, who are just looking to take it to the next level when it comes to their body composition in terms of building muscle or you know they've, they've built some muscle, they've done a bulk for themselves, but they're, they're kind of like struggling in terms of like getting the body fat down into a, what we call a healthy level. Um, so if that is your goal, where uh, male and female, whether your goal is to build muscle in some way or to drop body fat in some way, um, I am your guy, whether you are new or intermediate. If you are like an athlete expert level, I'm not your guy, <laughs> full disclosure. But um, yeah, for, for most people, yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah, and you you have a, a free ebook, right? A fat fat burning guide, I think. Yeah, fat loss forever, fat loss fat forever. Loss. Just a very quick, very quick um, ebook on on some principles. If you want to drop fat once and for all, um, that 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 book is for you. You can you can get it clicking the link in my bio, um, join my Facebook group, and I'll send it over to you. Very awesome. I am going to download that because, uh, full disclosure, I love working out. I love being active. But I also love eating <laughs> and Don't we all? Uh, having having some beers every once in a while. And even when I'm at like my peak fitness, it's uh, it's the diet that, that mm -hmm. holds me. I say holds me back, but it's a diet that keeps me from being like super cut or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like I'll put on muscle, but but yeah, the, I uh, <laughs> I don't do perfect diets for sure. That's yeah, a, I really totally get that, man. Yeah. Um. Well, awesome. Uh, so any any parting words you would say to current grad students? I feel like especially grad students who, who want to build a side hustle. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of them out there who, who are 
interested in getting started and just haven't taken like a leap, what do you have like a, you know, a, a one-liner or some kind of takeaway for them? A one-liner? Just do it. Let's hit it like Nike. Just do it, man. Yeah. Just do it. You're always going to be afraid. Um, and, and, you know, if, if there's nothing holding you back from doing it but your emotions, just do it. So true. And are you familiar with exposure therapy? More than I've read too much on that type of stuff. Uh, yeah. Exposure therapy is where it's at, man. Like the yeah. only way to neutralize your fear is to. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well yeah. said. All right, Warren. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, let's run back through your uh, socials. Uh, yes. So on Instagram, we have We Fit. That's mm -hmm. a P H I T on Twitter. We have Warren English underscore. You have TikTok. Uh, yeah, I do have a TikTok. I forget what the name is. I'm, I'm, I'm very inconsistent there, but I, I, I do have one. It's probably the same thing, at Warren on English underscore, yeah. And then do you have a website? Uh, yes. Uh, my website is also found in the link tree on my Instagram. So I believe it's wefit.card.com, uh, but definitely don't quote me on that. I forget, but it's on, it's definitely, it's on my link tree. For sure. So every people can go to your Instagram account to find all the mm -hmm. necessary links for things. If folks want to reach out to chat with you, is there any method you suggest? Yeah, no. Um, if you want to reach out for me for coaching, just hit me a DM. Um, let me know, especially let me know if you uh, listen to this podcast because that, that's going to give me a lot of good insight. Um, and you know, if you have any goals, just let me know what you want. If you want to talk about grad school and your journey, if you want to do what I'm doing, you know, just let me know, and I'm more than happy to talk. You know, I'm in my DMs all day. That's a big part of my work. All right, you hit it up, folks, or you heard it, folks. Hit him up on Instagram. All right, Warren English, thank you so much, sir, for joining the Grad School Select Podcast. Um, I, and I, I wish you well on your on your. Uh, your journey of building this business. I've been, you know, watching from the start and it's been awesome to see it transform and I look forward to seeing it continue to grow. Same, same for you, man. Same for you. You're, you're doing, you're killing it out there. I'm going to, I'm excited to see what you do with this podcast and continue to do in the, in the world of telling people how much grad school sucks. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. I will talk to you in the future, my man. All right. All right. Bye. Folks, thank you for listening to the Grad School Sucks podcast again, where we believe that your career after grad school shouldn't suck, it should rock. Today's interview is with Warren English. Be sure to check him out on Instagram. You can find him under his full name, Warren English. That's W-A-R-R-E-N English. And sign up for his free ebook on how to maximize your physical fitness. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe, leave a comment, or write a review. If you know someone who could benefit from listening to this podcast, please send them today's episode and let them know why they should check it out. As always, I'm your host, Matt Carlson, and I look forward to bringing you another great interview next week. See y'all then. Bye, grads. All right, Warren. If you had to have one superpower, what would it be one? <laughs> okay. I wasn't expecting that one, but um, I would uh, I would have to say 
Hmm. Being able to know everything. That would, that would be the superpower. I think I think there's nothing that could top that. What's attractive about that? What's attractive? I mean, once you know everything, right, you can basically do anything, right? Yeah. Knowledge is power. <laughs> so, Knowledge is OP. Uh-huh. Knowledge is OP 